This show and all the content on All About Beer is able to come to you each week, thanks to the companies that support our journalism through advertising. If your company is thinking about 2023 media plans, we have options for every budget. Email info at allaboutbeer.com to learn more. And thanks for the support and keeping us on air and online. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and it's a Canadian-focused episode this week with Matt Tweedy, the co-founder and director of brewing at Tooth & Nail Brewing in Ottawa. From judging insights to Belgian-inspired ales, food pairing, and seasonals, we'll get into it all. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. You can check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available, including Brewer to Brewer, Beer Travelers, and the All About Beer podcast. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. And speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We bring original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues uh, that are important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand different facets of the business. Check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. Last month, I was in Toronto as a judge for the inaugural Canada Beer Cup. Over the course of three very, very long days, I was seated across from Matt Tweedy, the co-founder and brewing director of Tooth & Nail Brewing in Ottawa. By the lunch break on the first day, I knew he needed to be on the show. Aside from having a great palate and brewing insight, he's a thoughtful guy who genuinely cares about the beers he's making and the overall direction of brewing, not only in Canada, but globally. Before opening the doors of his brew pub, he learned from some of the very best on the planet, including stints at Cantillon, Fuller's, and the Lost Abbey. Those experiences continue to shape his beer today and help with the overall education and flavor experience that patrons get every time they open up one of his beers or step into the bar. There is a lot of ground to cover, so let's get into it. Here's our conversation. As we get to the end of 2022, how would you describe the state of Canadian beer from your perspective as a brewer? Um. You know, it's a great question because we've we've really um, it. You know, as as this industry is proven in any country, really, I mean, it's it's just a wild ride. Um, The last ten years of brewing in in Canada and uh, you know Ontario, the province I live in. um, I mean, the degrees of understanding and quality uh, have have just had exponential growth. Um, as well as the number of breweries. So I think, you know, I would have to probably assume that there's some reflection in the U.S. of this as well. But um, while the quality and attention to detail has increased dramatically, and I'm seriously proud of um, the beers that we have to offer from Canada right now, um, with that comes, of course, you know, 
uh, maybe too many breweries here and there and 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 a lot of cash grabs that probably aren't grabbing much cash anymore um but you know with with the great quality comes some some poor quality as well um i think that would be the same in any industry really and um i think it's I, we've never made better beer in canada than we're making right now and there's whereas there used to be a handful a small handful of breweries where i would i would just be like well, that's what i'm drinking you know because i can depend on it uh that handful is has grown into you know, uh, a big bucket full, a barrel full, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Ma- you know, mash we're, we're, full, yeah, yeah mashed on full of great beers and, uh, you know, from coast to coast as well. Um, you know, even in Alberta, um, whereas I haven't really had the fortune to try too many of the Albertan beers. I mean, there's a lot of word on the street and, you know, a lot of, um, discussion going around how, how good those beers have become. So, um it's encouraging for sure you know it's it's a pretty awkward time right now in the beer industry but uh at least we're pumping out some good products awkward how awkward just at the at the you know coming out or clawing out of this last couple of years and um you know some of the uh fallouts that are anticipated the struggles that a lot of small breweries are are still facing and will probably be facing for a little while now uh, to come. And, um, you know, there seems to be a lot of sales and, and mergers and acquisitions that are kind of starting with a lot of um, discussion around that just starting and, and to anticipate quite a bit more of that stuff. You know, it's not it's not an easy gig right now running a brewery. Um, it's never been easy so much, but, you know, we opened Tooth & Nail in 2015 and, you um, pretty fortunate to have opened at, at kind of a really high time for consumers and, and a lot of buzz around, you know, locally made beer. Um, so you kind of hit the ground running. Now we're, now we're just trying to kind of crawl out of a hole a little bit. What first attracted you to get into the beer industry? (laughs) Uh, great question. Um, you know, it was, so there's a degree of it that found me, um, a large degree of it that found me. And I think it, I think it was always there. Um, I went to school in a small town, uh, university in a small town called Lenoxville, Quebec, where there's, um, a pretty, um, let's say active partying uh group of people going to this university there's a small town there were a couple of bars and uh, a lot of kids you know wanting to seriously have a lot of fun and one of those bars one of the two main bars really uh was a brew pub and i ended up getting a job uh spinning the tunes as a dj like one night a week or two nights a week i can't remember that far back and I got paid uh, $40 cash and two pitchers of the house-made beer. And the second <laughs> I started drinking that, nobody would buy the house-made beer. I mean, people were still buying Molson and Labatt bottles. And, you know, that was that was the, the big thing. But I, I just instantly was just, you know, amazed at the depth of flavor of, of this beer. And, and I would order different pitchers that they made every night. And, you know, looking back on it now, the quality probably wasn't fantastic, but to me, it was it was eye opening. And then from that moment on, I was always like, didn't matter what bar I was in or where I was, I was always looking for you know the alternative. 
and I, I was a ski bum in BC for five years. I was drinking the local beer there. And um, I came back to Ontario pretty clueless as to what to do with myself. And I was going to be an urban planner. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to do all these things. And uh, I got a job working at um, Beer Bistro in Toronto. Um, yeah. I wanted to get out of the serving industry, but I thought, well, I still have to do this. I was taking some some geography courses at night and I still have to do this job to get myself through school and whatnot. So I might as well do it at a beer place and learn something. And lo and behold, my first day of training there was with Stephen Beaumont. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just instantly, like without even thinking about it, just just sparked this real passion that you know it, it turned kind of like an interest into an immediate passion and um still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself and um you know I was I, I still remember the day I was sitting with two friends on a on a deck looking out over the water in Ottawa and I was pretty bummed out I said I don't know what to do with myself and one of my friends said well look uh you're a really good skier and that doesn't seem to be panning out for you and you really love beer so you know why don't you be a brewer and you know growing up in high school it's not exactly on the list of of job options yeah there's not a lot of guidance counselors that are <laughs> no. steering yeah no no they, in fact they were probably trying to steer me away from it at that time and um i just it took me two seconds and i was kind of like well how do you who does that how do you do that and i'm looking at the beer in my hand and i was like well people do this so let's figure this out and i remember i didn't even i wouldn't even tell my parents i think i was about 30 32 or 33 at the time i wouldn't even tell my parents that this was my pursuit um because there was nobody who was going to be able to tell me that you can't do that or this isn't a good idea or it's really risky or anything that was just the second I made that choice it was head down make it happen and um you know I was lucky at the time through the beer bistro connections I was able to uh go to various places in the world and do some quick uh stages for lack of a better word I, then, I like how um, humble you are about that of just you got to go to a couple of places like you went to the places uh yeah 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 I guess I did yeah it was uh it was pretty cool for sure but I, keep in mind at the time I didn't I didn't really know anything um aside from having read you know a Ray Daniels book or or or, or whoever um you know, I, I was still so in my infancy that, of course, I wanted to go to the cool places. They were probably the only places I had really heard of. Yeah. Um, so it was an interesting time. And and even though uh, from going to those breweries, you know, I learned I learned what mashing in looks like. I learned what cleaning a tank looks like. I, you know, discussed hops and malts with people and things like that. But I didn't really learn how to brew at any of them. Um, but it was more i think i think the um the foundations of shaping my outlook and shaping my style and shaping uh you know what it was that i wanted to express and how i wanted to do that well can i mean when we're talking about like cantillon or when we're talking about the lost abbey like mm -hmm. mashing in on those systems is different from yeah. Like a, a more commercial brewery and and i can't imagine replicating that anywhere else because those are 
I don't use the word often, but they are unique and they are singular to themselves, um, just to name two places. Um, but it's it's those sort of intangibles aside from the equipment, um, of which at least I know the one at Cantillon is like OSHA violations of you know uh, occupational health and safety <laughs> violations, um, uh, which I don't really seem to care about in Belgium. Uh, no. But, you know, I imagine your system is different these days, but those intangibles and, and, and walking away with, I imagine a sense of awe and a sense of respect for process and time and tradition. Um, but, but what else, what, what else do you get from those experiences or did you I mean, get from those experiences? There's, you know, those experiences, um, when I when I say that in looking back, you know, I, I, as I mentioned, I didn't I didn't really know a whole lot at that point. You know, I knew more than the average beer drinker and and maybe some home brewers and things like that. But uh, I I say it shaped me, and it's almost like a subconscious um, development that goes on. Um, you mentioned process. I mean, uh, process to me is is so important and i probably took that mostly from tommy arthur um also watching you know at uh at cantillon but you know even uh spending a week at fuller's uh and waking up at 3 30 in the morning to get there for a mash in i mean you, you're going into a tiny little bunker and staring at a computer with schematic drawings but you're watching this you're watching the process really happen and um, I think I think for me, one of the things I value the most is process and understanding process and and then trying to 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 maybe change that understanding and and be somewhat innovative um, in that process. And, and when I talk about innovation, I mean, I, I don't believe that you can really innovate without fully understanding, you know, the history and fully understanding um what got you to the point where you want to make that innovation and sometimes innovation in today's world is actually just stepping back you know 50 years and and trying what they used to do because nobody seems to be so interested in it anymore um do, do you I find your I, sorry no go, go ahead, ahead. I, I was just going to ask if you found yourself I hear that as a complaint quite a bit of, you know, today's beer drinkers don't know, or today's beer, you know, today's brewers, um, you know, are only thinking about, you know, what comes next as opposed to um, you know, the the future or what's trendy now. Um, and I know that's that they risky, you know, I think that's pretty risky. I think, I think we, we stand to lose a lot if, uh, if that's the trajectory forward do you see that happening i do yeah i see it happening all over the place and um you know i think we have to be very careful with that um first of all i remember when i when i first kind of started dreaming up ideas of of what i wanted to do with this you know thing that was blowing up inside of me um i was thinking wouldn't it be great to be very very uh excuse me, you know, Belgian-like and not brew to style, not brew IPAs, not brew stouts and, you know, whatever you you, you want to call it to style beer. Yeah. Um, 
And I had an idea that I would, uh, you know, maybe open a brew pub or a diner or something. And every beer was designed for a dish. And uh, I've had those opportunities before and they're, they're extremely rewarding, but it's not really a sustainable business model. Um, but you have to, I don't think you can really go that route without understanding, you know, what got you there in the first place. I mean, I bring up the name Michael Jackson to a lot of people in my, in my brew pub and they look at me like I'm, you know, on acid. Like, I don't even know what I'm talking Like, who's Michael Jackson? Like, what does he have to do with beer? Right. You know? And I think that that's tragic. Um, I, th- I think that, that there's so much literature that first of all is, is the way that that literature literature is written is fascinating. Um, let alone, you know, really uh, sparks a lot of uh, creativity um and, and a lot of innovation, if it were, if you were. And, um, and I, I just, you know, it, it, I, I find it sad that that's kind of, people are just starting to learn about beer on Instagram. And, and I know you hear about that a lot and it sure seems like a cliche, but it, it is true. And, um, yeah, I, I, I am concerned about the, you know, we're starting to almost get back into a, macro brew type scenario of you know the 60s and 50s and maybe the early 70s where there was really one kind of beer and it's a different brand was slapped on it um and and i get concerned that we're we're heading back in that direction but with ipa you mean yeah yeah okay. well i mean ipa is as a category itself you know you could you could almost classify beer as as beer and it's got you know 95 different you know, styles or categories and then IPA being a separate drink altogether. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so I want to jump back just a little bit because when you're talking about this, this, you know, this idea um, uh, growing inside of you and, and, and sort of wanting to burst out a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I'm always interested in the entrepreneurial spirit where, where that clicks for people. Because there are, you know, there's some people who just know that they want to build something themselves. And then there's other people who you know, find their path to it and then embrace it all the way. And then, you know, there's just some people who just don't have it. Um, what was it like for you having been, you know, you were saying, a you know, a ski bum and not really figuring it out. Like when, when somebody said, oh, you could be a brewer, what was it in your mind of saying, okay, I'm going to do this but it's going to be my place versus I'm going to do this and I'm going to clock in at somebody else's place. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, it was for me, it was, it was never even a question. Um, If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, you know, as a, as a, as a young kid and maybe into my early teens before I kind of became less motivated in general, uh, I always, I always kind of approach things from more of a, an artistic side, I guess. And um, I think that maybe subconsciously it was, it was this desire to be able to express myself as opposed to somebody else's ideas. Um, I, I've generally been quite critical uh, in the past about the way that people do things um for good and for bad positively and negatively um 
And especially when I decided I was going to do this, I knew that I I didn't want to, you know, um, be Sam Calajone and just go get a a Sabco system and start a business. Like I wanted to, I wanted to work in the trenches for, for, you know, five years or so and really get a good grip on not the process itself and not, not the ideas of building recipes and things like that, but more observe uh, companies and be like, okay, they did that right. Okay. They did that right. Ooh, that, you know, they slipped there and I probably would have done this differently and just try and amalgamate all those experiences so that I could at least come to the table with, with a, with a, I don't want to say with a purpose, but with a, a vision of what I think is going to, is going to work. Um, And I knew, and I knew that I wanted to be challenged, um, you know, uh, and I think I chose maybe a challenging path uh, based on what we were speaking about before. Like we don't, we don't tend to really follow the trends here so much um i'm more inspired by by those those you know michael jackson books and and things like that and um and so we kind of followed that path which you know sometimes i question the business decision in 2022 of going that way but i've also seen a lot of musical uh acts bands um that you know it takes them a while to kind of get popularity and get going because they're really just holding true to their own values and not not really trying to make the pop hit of the day and i i get inspired by those kinds of things as well that makes sense so where's tooth and nail landed then with what you wanted it to be you know belgian wise but also you know under you know i know you wanted to do the each beer going to a to a specific dish and things like that but um in order to grow where's to the nail wound up um where have we wound up i mean i don't think we've wound up yet or where are you now i guess is probably yeah, the better way I, I think that. i think that this is i look at this as a marathon for sure and um you know for me I remember when we were, when I guess I it was just me at the time, I was putting together uh, some of the first brews around here. And, and I always kind of went with this mantra, like, like, don't, don't, don't try and reinvent the wheel right away. Let's just make a pale ale that tastes good. Make sure it's well fermented, you know, make sure it's clean, make sure the carbonation is right. You know, which is sometimes that fifth ingredient that people kind of drop the ball on. Um, make sure visually it's what you want and 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 body wise and mouthfeel and you know a bitterness is 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 flavorful and not aggressive and just all these these things that i really think about in in every glass of beer i have make sure the drinkability is there so that you know these days the best compliment you ever get is somebody ordering a second pint of the same beer um and so that's kind of how I, I i started doing the beers around here and i guess i never really stopped um and so the portfolio has has really you know we've been we've been coined as you know the guy who does classic styles well well i kind of argue that because a lot of our beers don't do actually um not fit the mold of a classic style but i think that keeping in mind those those specific parameters of of brewing and constructing and then deconstructing what is in the glass um that stuff i will always hold true and and once we get to the point where i'm 
satisfied with something, which is pretty much never, um, then, you know, it's time to maybe take a bite of something else. And, you know, after having worked at Lost Abbey and Cantillon, everybody expected me to come out of the gates and be making barrel aged, you know, sour beers that, you know, take three years to make. And I thought, no, that's that's kind of a future thing for me. I want to if I'm going to do that, I want to do it right. And it's going to take all of this other experience to to get there. And so I, you know, I haven't really gone down that road yet. And um, I just, you know, where do we sit now? I mean, I think we're well known for producing high quality uh, beer. And that's all I really care about, to be honest. There, there's nothing more that matters to me than just a high you know i think i heard uh it was two years ago somebody somebody did a a video blog or something and said uh they were talking about all these different breweries and they said i've never had a bad beer from tooth and nail and that to me was the greatest pat on the back like that nothing else matters to me basically we spent a good couple of days uh, hanging out at a tasting room in Toronto, uh, going through, I don't know what our final tally was at the table, but it was, uh, it was, it was a good amount of beer over the course of over a hundred. It was over a hundred. Yeah. And, um, different categories. And, uh, I, I, I was impressed that as a brewer, um, I, I always like it when brewers judge because I, I, one, you're going to bring perspective that, uh, helps, other folks in your in your profession um but it also i imagine helps you be a better brewer uh and think about things in 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 different ways what was your takeaway from the inaugural canada beer cup sitting in that judge's room (laughs) my inaugural takeaway is i gotta try harder (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, I think, and I think that's why I enjoy judging so much. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and especially because, you know, things have opened up a little bit. I'm getting out a little bit more. I've done a little bit more traveling and I'm starting to remember why those experiences are important, but, you know, I've got a, a 90 seat brew pub, um, you know, a small little brewery in the back. We were capable of putting out a little bit of volume, but not not a whole lot. But the the walls are, you know, it's four walls you work in every day in in a in a trendy neighborhood in a government town, and you you really get locked into that kind of room, that space where um, you become very focused on on your own stuff. And I think getting out and judging really expands the mind a little bit and inspires and you know for for all the good beers and all the bad beers um that you end up tasting um it really i don't know it really gives you it it lights a fire under your ass a little bit and and uh and gets you thinking and i think you know i came back from that and chatted with the with the brewers in the back and just told them all about the different experiences i had that the excellent beers, the things that blew my mind, um, you know, and then you're coming back into a space where people are working within that four walled space and you're coming back with, with more passion, more enthusiasm. It's very positive. It's very uplifting for people. And then, uh, you kind of get out of that rut of the robotics of brewing every day and, and, you know, start discussing 
future projects and yeah, just feel it feels it feels so much positivity. I I, I like that. Um did you have conversations with other brewers after the fact? Cause I I know that there's this is a good way of giving feedback. And you you, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to get to of just um you know the 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 beer has gotten better um uh, across the board and that there used to just be like a handful of um a handful of breweries that you would go to um and now there's more but there's still ones that need improvement um do you have conversations with brewers outside of judging that need improvement um i've got a number of friends who um you know whenever we visit each other we um obviously try as many of each other's products as we can and i'm always really quite honest about that stuff unless there's you know some you don't really necessarily want to create some awkward situation but um my view is is my friend's not going to get me to taste that unless they really want the hard truth on it um and so I'm pretty, pretty open with all of that. And I really hope that people come here and, and are the same, you know, like, I don't, I don't want uh, people coming in all the time, you know, friends traveling from, from afar who have breweries and stuff. And, and the comment is every time, oh man, the beer's great. I'm like, okay, well, that's excellent. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, but uh, you know, it's not all great. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's, it's inevitably flawed somewhere along the line here. And maybe we've got uh, 12 beers on tap and seven of them are great, but you know, I know which ones have problems, <laughs> you know, maybe the the customer coming in on a Saturday won't notice those kinds of things, but uh, I, 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 I don't love hearing that everything's great all the time. I kind of want to hear, Hey, you know, uh, I taste this here and have you thought of this, right? because we can all improve and if you're not striving to constantly improve i have no idea what the hell you're doing in this business to be honest um and and with with competitions as well um i don't talk to a lot of people because there are a lot of my friends that choose not to compete and i don't really get into too many conversations about why not why not why not i think it's an individual choice and half of us enjoy entering and half of us don't um but uh yeah i kind of lost my train of thought there um <laughs> those that that don't enter competitions i probably won't bother you know asking them a whole lot of stuff and um because I, I assume they don't want the feedback yeah every individual is different people take feedback differently some people are offended some people find it encouraging and that's just kind of human nature i think the I, I know everybody wants to win because that's one of the reasons that you enter the competition. Um, but was there feedback that you got this year that you really took to heart? Oh, a lot of it. Yeah. You know, I'd been um, struggling a little bit with a uh, yeast strain that I had been using, um, just kind of trying out and really trying to get to the bottom of it. And I had one of my beers come back where I didn't taste this um, before I sent it off. But with a little bit of age, you might be able to uh, to see how it could come out. And, and somebody was 
all three judges commented on some form of like almost a kielbasa taste on the finish or um you know it okay. came it came to the forefront that that potentially uh the yeast had autolyzed in the can and 100 it would have and it would have based on the struggles that i was having with that particular yeast strain and so that comes back to me and confirms even though i didn't taste that flavor when i sent the can off it it goes and confirms some of the fears I was having about using that yeast strain, and so it's been very helpful. Um, you know, I, I I don't want to be this guy who's like, oh, what are you talking about? You must have gotten the wrong <laughs> sample. It's like no, it's like you gotta you gotta take this feedback and and use it. You know, I've I one of the reasons I enjoy entering competitions is for that reason. And you know, when we were back when we only had a handful of breweries that you'd really called high quality in Canada. You know, we were traveling once a month to Buffalo or anywhere we could in the States to buy the beer down there because the quality was just so much better. I personally account that to the Great American Beer Festival. I mean, it is well known that it is an American state of mind to to generally want to be the best and to strive to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. And with the Great American Beer Festival, I mean, here are thousands of breweries that that just want to win those medals. And so as a byproduct of that wanting to win, you just end up upping the quality across the board like tenfold. I dig that. That's. Yeah. <laughs> so have you started making changes to that yeast strain now? Yeah, I, I dropped it. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was playing around with it too, uh, and I am, you know, I don't, I don't really want to get too, too much into it because then I'll get all these texts going. Well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? <laughs> not, I'm not actually interested in trying any of that right now. But um, sure. I was looking at replacing California ale with something that had a little bit more character to it. And the thing about using California ale yeast, it is so robust and it's so hardy and it can handle a lot of different environments and produce an incredibly clean beer. So I don't mind playing around with a couple of things, but if I start to find it too challenging, I'll go back to what works. Yeah. And that, and that's, there's something to be said. And that kind of goes back to tradition and everything of just what's reliable. And what's wow, been, that's how what's I been opened the brewery. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was California ale yeast and uh, German lager yeast. And I'm like, well, I know they work. I know they make clean beers. I know that I can express myself through those yeasts and they don't need to dictate, you know, the beer that comes out. I know that if I learn them and understand them the way that I try to learn and understand my children, um, that... I will be able to work with them and we can have a relationship together going forward. And I don't mind trying other things out because there's always a better way. But if it, if you get to the point where it's not a better way, go back to what works and then, you know, down the road, maybe try something else. Yeah. Um, but always, always just trying to look at to improve uh, what's in the glass. And even with brands, I mean, that's the fortunate thing about a brew pub is you can kind of play around a little bit, you know, um, if some of these beers were in a production um setting you know then then i'd be trying all these things out on a pilot system but to put out a 15 barrel batch of something excuse me that um you know might have a different yeast strain or or change the hop or something like that we get instant feedback from the customers in the bar so i think it's it's actually pretty beneficial to do that let me ask you about the brew pub and the 
relationship between beer and food. And you were, again, I was sort of struck by this idea of having, you know, a menu, uh, set menu with beers to match, um, which I, it, it, that speaks to my own heart. Um, what's been the evolution of beer and food pairing since 2015 when you opened? Um, well, I should preface this by saying that we don't really have a full kitchen at Tooth and Nail. We, sure. we do some sandwiches and snacks and just yeah. try and have something available for people to drink, uh, to drink more beer. Um, I think personally that the interest in beer and food pairing has waned since 2015. Um, you know, especially when I was working at Beer Bistro, it was all I could think about. And that was, you know, 2008 probably and into brewing school in 2010 and then a few years beyond that it was like it was just it was this huge thing that occupied the space in my mind um a lot of conversations that I had with chefs and with brewers and you know uh beer dinners were really quite a big thing and now it just seems like that's not really on the top of people's minds anymore which I think is too bad um, I don't know if that's, that's a pandemic thing or not. I, I think it maybe started to wane a little bit before that, but, um, those experiences are, are incredible. They're a great way to, you know, I, for example, I get so many people in here, um, that tell me about how much they dislike Belgian beer. And I say, <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's, you're kind of, you're kind of painting that with one big stroke here. Like, let's, let's break this down. You don't like Hogarden. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it goes a little bit beyond that. Yeah. But that Hogarden flavor is is what people associate with Belgian beer. And so I will always say, well, the first thing you have to do is you have to have, you know, a Saison with with, you know, maybe three different cheeses. And and go from that starting point of 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 trying to marry that um maybe not so familiar flavor of a Belgian yeast strain with food that works with it and and it's like uh you know the people who who sierra nevada pale ale is too hoppy for them in the beginning and six months later they're like what's the biggest triple ipa you have right it's, it's that acquiring that taste it's like becoming accustomed to the fact that beer can be those other flavors as well but sometimes it just takes that little push and i think food is really the way to do it I agree. To create those experiences for people seems like, you know, I, I say it seems challenging right now. Maybe it's an open slate. Maybe maybe it's like, a, you know, a blank canvas that we can build upon again and maybe start, you know, getting people interested all over again in, in the, the world beer styles that I had been referring to earlier. Yeah. What about seasonality with beer? Uh, I was poking <laughs> around your website beforehand and notice you have an autumn lager. There's still a summer pale up there. Um, how much does seasonality play into the creation of the beers that you're, that you're putting out there? Well, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. The okay. first way is that um, I, I generally do brew quite seasonally. Uh, the second part of that is that will be the last time I actually put the name of a season on the label of a beer um because the second the summer's over nobody's interested in a summer pale ale and you know that beer for example we brewed 
um, toward the end of the summer because the demand was so big for it. But then the second it became September 1st, <laughs> nobody bought it. Yeah. So I think I'm done putting the names of seasons on things. Um, but we generally do really keep a lot of our beer under 5% alcohol in the summer. And then we start creeping up in the fall and then even higher in the winter. Um, I think it's important. I mean, is it important that I don't sell an Imperial Stout in the summer? No, that doesn't matter. People will probably buy it. Um, but I, I just think that our bodies, you know, the second it starts, the second the leaves start falling, we're making stews at home and 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 things like that. I don't think that's because we read about them in a book. I think it's our yeah. natural kind of tendency to do so. And so, you know, uh, bringing out, you know, brown ales and alt beers and, and things like that, which I have yet to do either of those. So I don't know why I mentioned them, but um, those <laughs> styles of beer tend to tend to come about better in the fall and, and do better in the fall. And, you know, this autumn lager we released, um, that was a pretty cool project with uh, Lalamon Yeast experimenting with a new product that they have. And um, it's, you know, adding a little bit more of a robust flavor in there for the cooler weather. Like, I dig it. I think it's uh, I think it's great. But calling things seasonals, I'm starting to get away from that a little bit. I like that subconsciously you're bringing up styles that you haven't made yet. I feel like yeah, that's they're all the ones I want to make. I, I was going to say that's that that's yeah. it's time to to get back into the brew house and yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but you know, running a pub too, it's you get challenged in doing that kind of stuff because there are two customers you have to answer every day, and and one of them is, hey, why are you out of Vim and Vigor? You're Pilsner right now, and the other question is, what's brand new this week? And yeah. I think you know, like I can't. I can't have certain beers available all the time for the customers that want those brands and still be releasing new products all the time. It's, it's an impossible thing. So you, you try and you try and manage that and you try and do your best and, and, and offer something new, whether you're putting one of your brands on cask on a Friday night to try and drum up some excitement, you know, our Pilsner that we're known for, I do, I do it unfiltered on Sundays every week now and, and things like that. Um, and then just try and come up with the, you know, we've got a few beers now that we've done annually, but now it's expected and, and, um, you know, anticipated that we'll do them, um, which is great. It's just doing a beer annually. You <laughs> go back in your notes and like, okay, what did I like? What didn't I like? How do we recreate it? You know, it's, it's tough unless you're brewing things on a regular basis to, to keep it, uh, somewhat consistent and the variability year to year can sometimes be an attraction to it too. So, yeah, I've been asking folks, I'm getting mindful of time, but I've been asking folks on the show for a while now, the green door question, which is there's this television show called the good place. And in the final season, they introduce the concept of a green door that you can walk through and be anywhere at any point in time, um, doing whatever you want to be doing. And so if we had such a door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be in any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? Wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so tempted to like, just recreate some experience that I've had already, but I kind of don't believe in that a lot of the time because it, you, the second time you do something like that, it's never quite as good as the first. Yeah. 
Um, what would be awesome? I think I think it'd be pretty cool to uh, you know wake up on a dreary autumn day in London and go to the White Horse and uh drink a bunch of cask beer with sunday roast yeah and followed by some so you know a few different uh vintages of jw lee's or something like that um start with some nice cask bitters and finish with some barley wines on a, you know a whole day <laughs> on a sunday around a big table with some food be pretty amazing um who would i have there <laughs> I think I'd probably invite everyone I ever worked with or worked for, I should say, sitting down with all the different people who influenced me and inspired me or, or hired me for that matter would be uh, pretty interesting. And I think you get some heated discussions at the table too, which could be pretty fun. Yeah. Especially when the barley wines hit. Sure. Sure. That's I awesome. don't know where I came up with that, but that's just where I went right now. I love it. Your subconscious is working hard these days. That's Maybe, uh, yeah. um, I dig it. Well, Matt, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for doing this, and um, it was it was a real pleasure uh, judging with you and uh, and 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 hanging out in in Toronto. Yeah. I hope we get a chance to do it again soon. Oh, we'll have to for sure. No, thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, it's it's totally an honor to be on the podcast. So, what's a winter seasonal you're looking forward to? Let me know by emailing John Hall. That's J O H N H O L L at allaboutbeer.com, or you can share with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just follow along at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We're bringing original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues that are important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand the different facets of the business. Check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. Finally, just a reminder that All About Beer has a podcast channel now. You can search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Mitch Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs> <laughs>